When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the podcast from Secret Golf. I'm Diane knox Bayless, and I'll be joined by Steve Elkington very soon. I hope you're good and looking forward to Christmas. Someone said to me the other day, only one Sunday to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes it all seem very real and uh, I'm very unprepared. I am prepared for the podcast, though. We have a couple more in 2021. Next week, we're going to do a special profile podcast on one of our secret golfers who's had a tremendous... 14 months. So that'll be next week. But this week, well, we have a lot to talk about. Tiger and Charlie Woods are contending this week in the PNC Championship in Orlando. So we're definitely going to talk about that. And also, we're going to use this as a bit of a review of the fall season. So the guys have these fall events to really, you know, get a bit of a foot up in the FedEx Cup standings by the time Hawaii rolls around. And Elk, well, we're going to go through all the tournaments, but there's some guys who really have capitalized and used this time to their advantage. Yeah, there's two sort of schools of thought, I think, in um, fall golf. Is One is, you know, young guys get out there and they play every one of them and they sort of almost they accumulate some dollars accumulate some points so they can sort of take a miniature break and you know guys like you know my friend pat perez who you know he, he told me when he was here he's like you know i've got to play the fall i need to get points i mean your brother he's, he's mentioned there's some good events in the fall for him they want to get points they want to sort of you know get something in the bank so to speak uh, on the other hand You know, we've got all the top players that are playing all these special events. So there's a big gap on the tour as far as sort of, you know, realistically, when you go to a tournament, there's a lot of points, Diane, that are already uh, allocated to the top players, meaning that they're going to win them. We used to say just for a joke that, you know, the purse was 10 million this week, but we're really only playing for nine because Tiger was playing because he's going to take a million. So, you know, it's all relative. I mean, looking at the FedEx Cup standings right now, Taylor Gooch is at number one, Sam Burns at two, and Sung JM at number three, all guys that had victories in this fall swing. And we're going to be talking about all of them as we go on. But the first tournament to kick off in the middle of September was the Fortinet Championship in Napa. It was known as the Safeway Open for years. And we have always talked about on the tour report the fact that when guys are playing on their home turf, it really does give them an advantage, especially when we're talking about the West Coast. And that was evident in Max Homa's victory in wine country. 
yeah, we've always said, you know, it was always amazing to me that, you know, Marco Mira could win five times at Pebble Beach and Tiger, of course, went, you know, wins out on the West Coast. But the guys that putt well on Poana, it's a knack. It's a it's a it's a whole mindset. And we saw Hanma, you know, Nap as well one of these bouncy, bumpy little courses. You got to keep the ball below the hole. And if you, <clears throat> as the Poana gets bouncy in the afternoon, I always thought Californian putters, they hit it a lot harder than we do because they had to keep the line when they were younger because they're bouncy. Mm-hmm. And when we handicap, we actually, we, you know, we factor that in guys that are playing well that are from California. We saw Homer do it. He won in LA at Riviera as well. So two of his giant wins are right there in California. He had a phenomenal weekend with a pair of 65s. But when you look at the first five guys on the leaderboard, Max Homa winning, Maverick McNeely coming second, another Cali guy, Mito Pereira, who just graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour, Mark Leishman, who we're going to talk about more because he had an incredible fall swing, he had an incredible 2021. And then Taylor Gooch, who we mentioned, is leading the FedEx Cup standings. All of these guys made moves during these events over the last couple of months. So it's really interesting to see those names in particular really capitalize on these events. Yes. And the, you know, the question to you is, does it even really matter? And because, in, you know, in, when I played the Tour, Diane, the, the season was shut down and nothing happened in the fall. But some of the events like it's going on this week at the PNC or the Shark Shootout, which events, of course, that don't count. And does it really matter? Well, yeah, it matters because, you know, those guys are now exempt for the Hawaiian tournament, which is another, you know, $150,000 guarantee. They're in the Masters, the Players' Championship. So, yes, it matters. Yeah. But all eyes will not be focused again on the golf. Diane until we open up in Hawaii in January. Well, you have a look at, and I know what you mean, because then we have the likes of Justin Thomas, John Ram, all the big names coming back into the mix, the ones that really enjoy this time off in the fall season because there's not that pressure on them. But if I was Sam Burns, I would be thinking, well, what a hot start. And a guy that's as hot as him with the caliber of play that we're seeing, I mean, it puts him in a great position to really give the big names a run for their money. Literally. Well, yeah, you, you, you I, I see you pushing. I see you pushing Sam Burns up the board today for for maybe a FedEx Cup is where you went your inkling. And I think you know he already. Look, Sam Burns. There's been a couple of um, meteoric rises. Is that a word? Meteoric rise. Yeah. You know, Morikawa. We saw burst on the scene. Two majors. Um, we've even seen Will Zalatoris, who's already almost a household name, and he was he was on the Corn Ferry like two years ago. Um, but Sam Burns has already established himself as one of the top players on the tour, finished in the top 30 easily last year. So why is Sam Burns so good? Well, it took him a while to get on tour, but he's strong. He hits it straight, good putter, um, stays pretty calm. I mean, you know, you'd have to ask me a question like, well, what about him compared to so-and-so and so-and-so? And and I would say, well, he's stronger here or stronger there, but Sam Burns, I can't find anything weak about his game. And, uh, he's very young, so he's strong. And, you know, I'm looking at two guys on my list here. I just made it my own list for no reason. But we're not seeing Cantlay and we're not seeing Ram. Mm-hmm. And those are the two guys that maybe clearly had the two best seasons if you take out Morikawa. But those two are resting. And what a absolute 
break that is for them because when they come back, they are going to be so energized. And I'm just looking at those two. They won all the money. They, they, they gobbled up everything last year and now they are sitting on the bench now for months and months. It's going to be great for them. Yeah. Well, after the Fortnite Championship, we had the Ryder Cup. And interesting that we're talking about Sam Burns because he didn't make the US team and his name was banded about a little bit. I think the chances of him getting a pick were a little unrealistic towards the end. But it maybe was a bit of a chip on his shoulder because the following week we had the Sanderson Farms Championship and he went out there and dominated. Playing steady all week, he was phenomenal off the tee, iron play, greens and regulation. Um, I mean, the guy was just on fire and ended up beating Nick Watney to take his second PGA Tour title. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Bermuda in a, in, a, in a little bit when Hovland won, and Hovland's been on a roll too. I mean, Hovland could be in this conversation with Burns uh, for what he got done, even though Bermuda didn't count. But I think I think Burns had two doubles and a triple bogey in, in Bermuda and almost won that tournament. So, yeah, you're right. Burns is hot. Hovland's hot. Uh, Morikawa won in Asia. No one talked about Morikawa. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I've jumped ahead of a tournament here. No one talked about him sort of giving up a five-stroke lead in Bermuda. Sometimes the press says they don't want to talk about a guy that gives up a five-shot lead. Sometimes they do. So it, it appeared like there was not one comment that Morikawa gave up that big lead mm-hmm. uh, down the stretch there. But, you know, I've jumped way ahead, didn't I? It's okay. It's fine. I mean, we've said all we can say about Sam Burns and we know that it's very clear that we rate him highly and he's going to be in very early FedEx Cup conversations considering his position right now. Yeah. And the the last thing on on Sam Burns, you know, not the last thing, there will never be a last thing on Sam Mm -hmm. Burns, but the Sanderson was just, was a, was a off season event. Yes. It's a regular PGA tour event, weak field, uh, Napper, not a strong field, but it was it was a decent field. So accumulating tournaments, um, you know, for he was the best player there. We had him handicapped to be right there, uh, Hanma to be right there in Napa. So, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, they say, who are you looking at on the young guys that are coming up off the Nationwide? And what do you think about this guy that got through, you know, Nationwide? I said, well, they just proved that they beat all the guys that aren't on tour. Now they got to go play all the guys that are really good on tour. So... You know, there's different tiers of players on tour, Diane, and there's absolutely as clear as cut, it's black and white. There's a top 30, there's a top 50, top 60, and so on. And then there's guys that perennially sit there at the trying to keep their card. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, early October, it was on to Vegas. We had back-to-back weeks in Vegas, but first up was the Shriners Children's Open and it was a victory for Sung J.M. He opened with a 63 and closed on Sunday with a 62 to win by four over Matthew Wolf. And again, Mark Leishman in the conversation, finishing in a tie for third after he shot 63 on the Sunday. Sung J.M., we've talked about this, many times but he's one of those players that other players talk about yeah and just before I talk about some JM you know talking about Leishman who has won a, won a lot of money in the fall here a lot of points I always think of it as money I don't think of it as points because mm-hmm. I didn't play for points I played for money so do you know how much money Leishman's won but 
you, you look that up while I talk about that. But Leishman really wasn't, you know, he was kind of around there in Vegas. He was kind of around here in Houston near the lead. He was kind of around at the Shark Shootout with Jason Day and never won anything, but he was, you know, on TV a lot. And what was that number that he won so far in the fall? He's won, in the millions? Well, no, but not far off it. 809,296. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is just a guy that just goes out and plays well, you know, when almost whenever he wants to. It's, it's, it's awesome to see that. Um, going back to Vegas, um, some JM, you know, wasn't it something crazy? Like, was, uh, was it the 10th year anniversary of the date that he won his first event? This was the second or was it the fifth year or something? It was like, Literally the same day, five years later, it was some sort of a weird anniversary that yeah. took him a while to win his second one. But, you know, I've always said to you and I say to everyone that, you know, when, when troop players tell me who's going to be really good, I always listen to them. They always know. And they said some JM, I think it started when he was at the President's Cup down in Australia and guys were talking about how straight he hits it and how many tournaments he plays. And he's sort of an iron man. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get fatigued from playing the tour for a long stretch of time and got perfect sort of a swing. He almost has a pause at the top of his swing. Sometimes he gets off as he's putting, but you know, it's a bit of a mystery, Diane. He's always in the top of our list, but it's a bit of a mystery why he hasn't won more events, but um, there it is. Perfect spot for him. Hits it straight out of bounds everywhere, desert everywhere, just played played the course the way it should be and knocked off Vegas. Yeah, I mean, he dominated on Sunday and, as I said, beat Matthew Wolf by four shots. But it's so great to see Wolf back up in contention on these leaderboards because it's been very well documented, the personal struggles that he had in 2021 at the beginning of the year and the fact that he really had to take a bit of a mental health break and, and get himself set personally and professionally. So then for him to come back out and you know be up there and he has been consistently it's really great yeah wolf as we know came out of oklahoma state with victor hovland and looked like it looked like wolf was just going to run away even though hovland won the u.s amateur at pebble beach and hovland has just become this sort of steady player and wolf has gone through these dramatic swings up and down with his swing up and up and down with his health and sort of um just you know, off tour for three months, back on and able to come back, play good in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines for a stretch. And then, mm -hmm. as you noted there, played good in Hawaii. And then he disappears again. And it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a battle. He's very hard to handicap, Diane, because we don't know which Matthew Wolf's going to show up. Of course, we know that he has enormously powerful swing, big, you know, outside action that drops into the slot. Is that something that he has to time? Is that, is that a timing thing or is it a, sort of a real automatic swing. Well, we're going to find out as time goes along. I mean, pr I prefer more in line, but w I, I'd love to have the power of the wolf has. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he, uh, the distance is always up there, but he putted great in Vegas that week too, which of course got him up there. So the following week in Vegas was the CJ Cup at Summit. It was a new course for this event and it was won by Rory McIlroy. We didn't see this coming and we talked about it on the Tour Report that we weren't picking him as one of our guys, but he ended up beating Morikawa by one shot on the final day it was um, down to the wire after Morikawa went super low over the weekend, closing with a 62, but not enough to catch Rory. 
Yeah, and Morikawa probably will win the Player of the Year. Won the Open Championship. Won the one in Dubai, where a month later, after the tournament, you just noted that you know tracked Rory down and beat him over there, and then he gave up a five shot lead in Bermuda. So we know anything can happen. It just Morikawa is easier to predict because he doesn't have these violent swings in his game or his attitude or his demeanor. Whereas Rory, he has been on a. We talked about. Uh, Matthew Wolf been an on, on and off tour with different things, but Rory's been also on sort of a stock market crash and burn up and down. His graph is just not flat at all, Diane. He's, you know, he had a terrible Ryder Cup. Then we, you know, we thought we'd pack it in and then he comes back and wins the CJ Cup. Then we had the lead in Dubai, lost that and ripped his shirt. I mean, it is just not very sort of calm if you're sitting on Rory McIlroy's side of the fence saying, what's he going to do next? But course there's no question about the talent there's no question there's always a little bit of question about the desire of how long he wants to stay out there with a new baby how how long how hard does he want to fight we know he wants to win the win the grand slam augusta is on his radar that's all he thinks about i'm sure that's that would seal off the whole thing so yeah i mean anytime rory mcelroy wins there's never a surprise that way We've already mentioned Taylor Gooch and, well, we have a victory coming up to talk about for him, but this was another top five finish. So really the start and, well, a continuation of really steady play from Gooch in the fall season. But one person who you... I think it was the week after this, you were like, he's going to continue because we saw Ricky Fowler almost back where he belongs. And he finished in a tie for third, only three shots behind Rory. But it was really encouraging. His his Sunday let him down. He shot 71. But I mean, 66, 66, 63 before that, it was all heading in the right direction until the final day for Fowler. Yeah, Ricky Fowler also just had a baby, so that's exciting. I saw his birthday was yesterday as too. I love Ricky Fowler. He's, I think he's tremendous. But he's got to watch it because we saw what happened to Justin Rose, probably the number one player in the world there for a long time, one at Marion, the U.S. Open, just absolute incredible players, just slipped, 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 and wasn't in the Ryder Cup. Fowler's not in the Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, game gets off a little bit, change coaches, uh, looking for, you know, looking for, you know, some sort of swing fix, putting terrible etc and just where you know what what's going to happen with ricky fowler you know okay he's married settled down children one child so far so what do i think for him i think it's still going to be a building process i mean he won it he won in march or he won the players championship i think it's going to take a little bit for him to get himself organized again but i think he can have a much better season than he had last year i mean he has to eliminate some of the mistakes he's making i mean he was hitting the ball all over the place and seems like he's ha- happy with his swing I, I heard something he went to vegas mm-hmm. went out to see butch Harmon, who who he wasn't using as a coach but he got the blessing from Butch that what he was working on with another guy was what Butch would have told him. So, you know, hey, it's all mental at this point, Diane, once they once they get over the physicality of what they're changing with their swing. Yeah, as you say, I mean, he's one of the, the fans' favourites. So a nice little spark from Fowler that week. Now, the following week, a group of guys boarded that charter and were off to Japan for the Zozo Championship. It really couldn't have gone any better because hometown hero Hideki Matsuyama annihilated the field, winning by five shots at 15 under. Uh, Brendan Steele and Cameron Tringali coming in in a tie 
cry for a second. But I mean, it was a it was the stuff of fairy tales after Hideki Matsuyama and everything he's accomplished being a Masters champion, then winning in front of his fans in Japan. It was a, I mean, it was it was a fairy tale. Wasn't that another one of my picks? It like was. last week. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I picked it was because it's so nice to see an Asian player, you know, for years and years, you know, they used to talk about, you know, a Japanese player making the cut, making the masters and you know, and the majors and you know, Jumbo Ozaki and Joe and David Ishii, all these guys. But then we saw now we see Hideki Masayama put on the green jacket. It's always very difficult, of course, to win with the press of the Japanese pressure of the press leaning down on you. But once you won the Masters, Diane, go back and play in your backyard at the Zozo. Of course, you're going to win the tournament over there. I told you so during the week that way you should have picked him. But hey, uh, he's the most comfortable there. He knows the golf course. I think he won an amateur event there. I mean, how are you going to beat a guy? Well, well, I said all that before, but yes, Matsuyama. Had a great season. You know, he spent like, what, two months in in quarantine after the Masters before he could meet the press. And I just think this guy is going to come out on fire next year, honestly. I mean, imagine winning the Masters. You know, I won my National Open, 1992 Australian Open. It was the biggest feeling ever. And I know that it wasn't the Japan Open, but it was, a, you know, it was in a world, world-class field. It's huge. Yeah. Well, he's had a, a good season. So have you, because you did pick him as the winner on the tour report that week. And the following week, you nailed it as well. You mentioned winning the Australian Open. You stuck with your countryman for the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. And Lucas Herbert got his debut victory on the PGA Tour. I warned everybody about this one. This was a, I don't know, I'm not even going to say it was a fluke because I know Lucas was going to get on our tour because he was that good. He played good in England and he played good in the European tour all season last year. I finished way up there on the money list. He, he was going to be on the American tour. It's just a matter of how was he going to get in, how was he going to get on the tour? This is sort of opening the door a little bit, Diane, on how I think about handicapping which clearly I'm very good at it because I picked again the shark shootout, which you're going to mention I know in a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> all credit to me today, Diane. But uh, Lucas Herbert uh, play, comes from a very windy location in Australia, plays courses in the wind good, and but he had the most to gain by a win in Bermuda, second or third place, still keeps him in Europe. So he was highly motivated. You know, we look at stats. I tell you all the time, I'm looking at motivated players. I'm looking at guys that are on their way up when they're playing good and they're not tired. And all of these things come into in the player course. And Lucas Herbert made me look like a legend by, well, he made himself look like one Diane handicapping legend, that is, in my own mind. No one else's. <laughs> Well, you do. I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll today about me. No, it's good. you deserve it because you have done very well with your picks so far. Um, I'm claiming Taylor Gooch, which we'll move on to in a little while. But Lucas Herbert had won the Scottish Open, then played well the Open Championship the week after. And we talk about um, good wind players. And while the gusts were a blowing in Bermuda, of course, I mean you wouldn't expect anything else. So it's a huge factor and. He had Patrick Reed chasing him, who shot a 65 on the final day. Lucas ended up beating him and Danny Lee by one. But he just seems like such a happy, nice guy. And as you say, it was the week that changed it all for him. 
Yeah, we've seen this. I mean, we've see, we saw it with Zalatoris. We've seen it with, you know, Burns to a certain degree. He, he was more traditional route. But we're learning as you listen to our show and you listen to all the, you know, we know the tour very well. You're starting to sort of see the emergence of these young players and how do they do it. And, and I think the advantage is not that an advantage listen to our show. It's just an advantage. We know a lot about the players mm-hmm. and we sort of start watching them and we start sort of, you know, getting some awareness of people of how good this guy is and watch out for him. And we've done a good job of sort of keeping everyone in, the, in that picture. Mm-hmm. And this guy, you know, he's, he's going to be another top 60 player this year on the tour. And he's just coming from, a, you know, he's have a lot of experience playing in Asia, uh, in Europe. Good win player, strong, young Aussie, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, we pride ourselves on those dark horse picks, but unfortunately the following week we did not see this one. And I was mad at us for overlooking Victor Hovland going back to back at the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. He won it in 2020 and he backed it up with another victory in 2021. I mean, we love Victor Hovland. What's not to love? No, I mean, you know, Hovland, um, he has such a nice demeanor. You know, we learned things about him this season. He likes to drive to the tournaments. He's he's sort of a solo guy. He doesn't sort of, you don't see him with a girlfriend. You know, he's always traveling by himself. He, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have one. I'm just saying we don't see, he's always by himself. It seems like he's very content to do that. Hard worker. When you start to think about his game, you know, he's got a beautiful long flowing swing sort of hits a power fade out there keeps the ball under control uh, always seems to have a good attitude did struggle in the middle of the season with chipping and he said you know when he was down I think now this is like his fourth tournament he's one off the mainland of the US two in Mexico one in Puerto Rico and now one in Bermuda and uh, he's a decent putter I think he is sort of it's going to be easy to put him up there almost every week, Diane, because there's not much we can say is going to go off with him. Mm-hmm. When you think of him, last thought, when you think of him attitude-wise, when you compare him to someone that's a little bit more volatile like Rory, and Rory has much more gifts uh, of swinging the club, but imagine if he had Rory had Hovland's demeanour and that sort of flatline uh, sort of you know attitude where, where that would put him. Yeah, I always think they've got similar walks and they've got that kind of long stride, a little bit of a bounce to their walk, but then that's really where the similarities end in, in their demeanour because you're right, Hovland always just seems like he's having fun out there. And I mean, I'm sure there are times where he does want to boil over, but you never see even a, a blink of it. But I'll give credit to you in that you called two guys who finished in the top 10. One of them was runner-up in Carlos Ortiz and Abraham Answer, another guy that you're always big on. He finished in a tie for seventh. But, I mean, it was a stacked leaderboard with Justin Thomas in third, Scheffler right behind him, Matt Wolf, Joaquin Neiman. So we were really seeing the cream rise to the top in Mayakoba. Yeah, I'm looking at... Um emerging players i love to look at emerging players i mean i I was talking about to you to ortiz who won the houston open i believe in biorhythms i believe guys plays play good at similar times of the year you know ortiz was the same it was right around the houston open so and he's from mexico he was going to be well received down there and he's like a hometown hero so it you have to consider when when you're handicapped golf 
believe it or not, you have to consider the demeanor of the player and where he is, you know, in his year and where is he tired or not. I I spoke earlier of Cantlay and Rahm, who are both sitting right now. And when they get back on tour, which both of them will be in Hawaii, they will be literally, you know, so fresh. And and that demeanor is basically strokes Mm -hmm. uh, per day that can add, you know, or, or strokes per the week that is an advantage over someone, you know, we're, we're, we're talking very high on Morikawa, who's been all over the place. He won, he won, in, he won the Open. He went over to Saudi Arabia. He was in Bermuda. He'll be resting right now, but he'll be fresher, and that'll be taken into consideration when we, when we, we start back, Diane. Well, the following week, it was your home event with the Hewlett-Packard Houston Open. And this one was particularly special for us because it was a victory for Jason Kokrak, his third win on the PGA Tour in 13 months. And final round 65, he was so calm. He was so in control. And I mean, we're going to do a little bit of a special on him next week, looking at this career changing year that he's had. Yeah, and I was there. He spent the week with us here at our house, and it was great to see Kokrak. Uh, you know, he won in he won in Fort Worth as well at the Byron Nelson. Sorry, excuse me, at the Colonial Tournament. Um, yeah, and the Houston Open created a lot of challenges for a lot of players this year. Jason Duffner and Pat Perez were still here at my house. They're shorter hitters than than Kokrak, so they had longer shots into this very tricky Memorial Park course. The, the The course wasn't in very good condition around the green, so all these greens rolled off and made it particularly difficult to pitch. I was out there, it looked, some, you know, very, you know, scratchy lies to pitch the ball back on the top. Mm-hmm. But when you're Jason Kokrak and you're hitting the ball 50 yards past them, you can throw those wedges up with a lot more spin. It just changes the whole outlook. And as the Sunday event, as the Sunday rolled around, I was there with Jason when he warmed up and I was watching him practice and he was up for it. I mean, there was nobody above him on the board. And I say that in the nicest possible way. No one ahead of him. They were all younger players that were, you know, off form, got into form and probably packing a lot of nerves. And Kokrak was literally just, I was texting with one of the rules officials, Steve Rintoul, who I grew up with in Australia. And I think he texted me at the fifth hole and Kokrak was off to a two under start. He's like, this tournament's over. Yeah. And and uh, Kokrak was still two or three shots behind. Um, Scotty Scheffler, of course, when I say nobody, that's not a nobody, but Scheffler, Scheffler has to had a two-shot lead, I think, with eight holes to go. And uh, Sam and I went up to hospitality to look around a little bit to get a sandwich. And by the time we turned around, we thought maybe this event was over. Scheffler might get his first win. And then all of a sudden, it comes Coke crack, four birdies in a row on the back nine, and, and literally just walked in at the end. It was just over with. Everybody just fainted and just strolled in for a win. Yeah, I mean the the. Concrete- I made that sound pretty. I made that sound pretty easy from Kokrak's thing. There was a lot more stress in it than that, of course, but. That's sort of the way it went down. He looked very stress-free on Sunday. And the confidence that comes from gaining your first win on tour after so many years, and we saw that in Vegas. And then, as you say, Colonial, and then winning in Houston. Good Texas vibes. But it's not only the confidence. He works so hard at his game, and he's really improved in every single aspect. Yeah, well, he putts good. He putts way better than he used to. I mean, when I started to think about Jason Coker, I've known him for known him for. 10 years and he wasn't a very good putter, really long hitter. And then when I also start to think about, you know, really long hitters on tour, I start to think of say Bryson DeChambeau is at the top of that list. And, you know, you watch Bryson hit it off the tee and you sort of, 
when he gets going, he does hit the ball pretty straight, but you, you also have the feeling it could go anywhere. And um, Kokrak, from my trained golfer's eye, his swing is so in line for a guy that swings at that speed. It's almost nothing can go wrong. It's really incredible. I want people to understand that Kokrak's six, four and a half, 225 pounds with almost a perfect swing plane. And the club is very stable and he's swinging it at 180 miles an hour. And he is got a lot of confidence, Diane, and putts good. So three tournaments that you just noted, and he, and he won the Shark Shootout, or is that one of the three? Uh, or is that the fourth? The fourth. That's the fourth. So people say, well, where'd he come from? Well, his swing's very in line. Um, club face is very stable. When we start to look at guys, how they're going to play good for a long period of time, we start to look at, is there any side tilt in their swing? Is there anything dipsy-doo going sideways that could send the ball offline? For Kirkrack, it's a no. And then he's got big speed behind it and big confidence. And then on top of that, he's the mother load with the putter. Mm-hmm. Well, the following week, it was off to the RSM Classic in Sea Island, Georgia, the final kind of regular full field event of the season, well, of the year. And I'd been, I'd been bigging him up all fall season. And finally, Taylor Gooch got that win. I was actually at the tournament. It was so, so windy. And he just had, I mean, 64, 65, 67, 64. Brilliant week from him. It all came together and he got his first win on the tour. Yeah, Taylor Gooch has been a name that I have been following because you were so high on him. And he, and he almost did it about three times during the season. But there it was came down to uh, Sea Island, very different test. This is a course that sort of we have the likes of a shorter hitter like a Kevin Kisner on the board a lot when they get to these different style events. I like I like it when the tour goes to events, Diane, where where the long hitters don't have the huge advantage. But Gooch was able to when you when you when you have a guy that wins on courses that are real windy and narrow, then you know the guy can really keep control his ball. And mm-hmm. I've never actually walked 18 holes with Taylor Gooch, but I'll be interested to see why he's so great in person when I, I'll see him this season. But clearly the guy knows how to control his ball. When you have a lot of wind and a narrow course, you better. Mm-hmm. I mean, three top 10, top 10 finishes. And he just welcomed a new baby not long ago with his wife. So what a fantastic time for Taylor Gooch, who's still so young. He'd made just shy of 2.3 million in these tiny fall events. That is just, I mean, amazing. And, and what a time for him to take a little bit of a break, enjoy Christmas and then get going in Hawaii. Yeah, but the, yeah, you're right. Everything you said is is correct. The the thing that he'll be most uh, happy with will be obviously his 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 family life. But when he gets back out on the tour, he'll be able to look sideways and see all the other winners and know that he, you know, one of the big things when you're on tour, me included, is when you first get on tour and you look at all these guys that are so great and they've won and you you haven't won, so you don't really sit where they sit. But Taylor Gooch now will be recognised by everyone as a winner, and that's just. That's a, that's a whole new thing. 
Mm-hmm, it really is. And then, well, we had a few other events that we'll name quickly because the Hero World Challenge Tigers event in the Bahamas, and that was won by Victor Hovland. Then the QBE shootout, the shark shootout, and you called it your team won, Kevin Hart and Jason Kokrak. My team finished second. I'd picked Burns, who you can tell I'm very big on right now, and Billy Horschel, and they finished one shot back. Yeah, I, I like Kokrak, uh, longest hitter out there, a lot of confidence playing with his buddy, Kevin Nye, who's the best putter on tour. And, you know, I handicapped this event, you know, very luckily picked that that too. But <laughs> it worked out with what I, I was thinking about this show. And I said, well, Diane, so how, you know, if, she, if you would have asked me, how did you pick this? I said, well, Kevin Nye, I think Diane had seven birdies in a row in the middle of the last round with his putter. They show the highlights of him walking in putts from all over the place. I told you he was going to do that. And then, <laughs> and then Kokrak, I, I, I listened to an interesting uh, interview with Kevin Nye. Kevin said during the round on Sunday, he said, hey, Jason, when are you going to help me? And Jason turned and said, I'll help you when you need me on the back nine. Thank well, you. Guess who birdied 16, 17, and 18, or in this case, 52, 53, and 54 to close out the tournament? Jason Kokrak. So, you know, it worked out perfectly for them, and, and I'm happy I'm happy for him. I was texting with him. I sent some pictures to him. I was taking snapshots off the TV of him and his son. Right. Uh, he was more – he was more – I'm me and him are more – uh, you know, we're more impressed with pictures of our kids than we are of the trophy. So he was so excited that he had a camera – uh, TV piece of him and his son after the round that I sent him. That's lovely. Yeah, very nice sweetener to end the year. But then this week, and I know you have to go, but we'll have to mention this very quickly because I think uh, we're probably going to see the most watched golf action on Saturday and Sunday with the PNC Championship, the father-son Tiger making his return to the course, which is just unbelievable playing alongside his son charlie again but oh my gosh is there anyone that's not going to be watching this yeah i mean the tv coverage is going to have to try to control themselves and they're not going to just show one uh one team for the whole week uh it's going to be a it's going to be a celebration this week diane i i can't add anything to the fact that the only reason that Tiger is playing is, is to go and play with Charlie. I know when Sam and I played in four, I think Father Sons, it was a highlight of our season to go together and, you know, get our outfits organized, practice together, you know, think about our strategy and go play. And and uh, I know it's, you know, I know Tiger's probably not going to have his best form. Obviously, he's been off for a year, but it's going to be all about Charlie and having fun and, and being with all the other fathers and sons and daughters over there. It's going to be, it's going to be a nice reunion yeah last year it was just i mean the best weekend of golf social media went crazy charlie had his first ever eagle the mannerisms between the two of them are uncanny and there's been so much since tiger announced that he was going to be back i'm just i've got twitter in front of me right now and i can see a little video of the two of them in their purple shirts but it's um it's special it's special for them because it's creating memories for this father-son duo but after everything Tiger's been through, to see him even swing a club, let alone get out there and do this for his son, it's just, I mean, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, and there's going to be other characters there. Lee Trevino will be there. We'll have to hear from him about this. I, I'm going to be just as interested to hear from the other players that are there this week to talking about what they see and feel. And, and, and I, I'm going to be looking just like everybody else. 
Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, we would love you to do that. You can leave us a little rating and a review as well if you like. But you can find us on all the podcast apps and websites. Our regular show, The Tour Report, is going to be back in January for the Century Tournament of Champions and then every week going forward. And also, if you haven't checked it out already, we have some brilliant new instructional videos from Elk himself covering setup and address impact alignment and also just how to get a bit more consistent with all your shots it's a great series and you can find it on recast and on youtube all the links are on our social media anyway thank you for listening next week we're going to profile one of our secret golfers who's had a very successful 14 months capped off with a victory at the shark shootout just last week so that's on the way next week we'll see you then sports social podcast network